it's funny whenever you hear I, I always go back to that when people talk about influences right who were your influences and when you speak when you listen or sorry when you watch you know real sort of creative like great creative types talk, you can see them sort of internally roll their eyes because the answer is every single thing I've ever heard right, has yeah, influenced agree, me everything everything influences me and I take what I like and I don't I leave what I don't and that's you know what I mean so like I said that's your, that's your fumes the fumes are going in and they're affecting right they're rewiring your brain right a little bit so and then it's also worth noting that like um full moon fever was just like a huge record yeah. in this exact era like because that's where I first was introduced to Tom Petty and I remember Free Fallen just being like truly inescapable. Yeah. Like just truly like <laughs> I remember I would like ask my mom to take me to the mall. On the way to the mall, we'd have to listen to the radio. We would hear Free Fallen. Then at the mall, they would play Free Fallen. Then I would come <laughs> home and turn on the TV and I would see the Free Fallen music video in which he's playing guitar in a mall. Yeah. And so I just felt like, you know, and then like just as that was dying down, like just as the whole sort of cultural phenomenon of Full Moon Fever had peaked, then Jerry Maguire came out and yeah. in that movie, there's this huge moment where he hears free falling and he like starts pounding the steering wheel. <laughs> and like, just as that was like kind of over, it's like not over anymore. It spiked again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I like, like the song and I like Tom Petty. And I, I also remember wildflowers coming and seeing that video yeah. and like being sort of like amazed in the music video when the woman starts singing for him and being like whoa i've never seen anything like that before i mean i was like six years old or something yeah so all that stuff sort of came and went by and like even though i like tom petty it was so in the culture that i almost like did not feel the need to go get those cds like I, I just felt like i was hearing them right and left like it was a, it felt a little bit silly to me that at the end of the day i would need to then put on free falling and listen to it on the headphones because yeah. I've like heard it a thousand times already. Um, that's not to say I was over. I did, it's not that I disliked it. It's just, I felt like I listened to the radio and watched so much MTV that it was just like, you, it, you, they gave it to you. But it's that saturation point, right? And it's, it's, you know, when people talk about songs that are overplayed and you sort of have to detach and, and think, well, first of all, if they're overplayed, they're getting played because they're really good songs. Yes. And when you go back again and you listen to some of these things, like, you know, listen to a heart, which we're going to get into, it's easy to sort of think, well, I've heard that a million times. It's a great pop song. But when you go back and really listen to it, it's like, this is a really, really brilliantly written song. That's why they've got the longevity. And that's why people still love them. Free Fallen is another example of The Waiting. I mean, these are three of the most perfect pop songs ever written by anyone. Yeah. And that's why they're still around. And that's why they're timeless. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yes. And so it was, I don't think I would have really like self-identified as a Tom Petty fan. Yeah. Or like felt like someone who was like eligible to go on the Tom Petty podcast <laughs> until I was like seriously become, seriously trying to become a singer in into my twenties after like 15 years of identifying as just a guitar player. And, and thinking I was in bands where like we had a lead singer and I was the lead guitar player. I sort of grew up thinking that I was going to be like the guy behind the guy. Like you have Axel and then you have Slash yeah. and you have Mick and then you have Keith, right? You have David Lee Roth and then you have Eddie. Like 
I, I always related more to the guy with the mystique. I was like, that's perfect. I'll just be that. Yeah. I, I, I had, I was in bands as that. I understood who I was as that. And then those bands broke up and I made the sort of terrifying switch to becoming a singer and caring and trying to own that identity. And this was when I went from being like a sort of admirer of Tom Petty who had grown up hearing him and had a couple CDs and liked it just fine to um, recognizing a, a sort of deeper specialness in Tom Petty and understanding him on a deeper level and becoming a bigger fan and then reaching a point where I could feel like you know, I'm gonna, there's only gonna be one cover song on my album and it's gonna be the guy I'm gonna cover is Tom Petty. It was, it yeah. was him as a vocalist and me getting a sort of new interest and sensitivity to vocalists and being a vocalist that was the, was the transformation for me. Well, it's funny because he, I, I don't think he does get enough. I mean, I've talked about this with so many people, but I don't think he does get enough love as well, either a rhythm guitarist or as a singer. Because you know he's the songwriter, he's he's brilliant with words and everything else. But people uh -huh. sort of sometimes want to lump him in with the sort of with the Dylan style because he's got it. He can turn that on when he needs it. Yes, he's got so many different looks. This is where I always get into this with you know I'm talking about uh, Petty versus Springsteen. Uh -huh. Petty's got more modes. He's got different things that he can do with his voice and different ways that he can throw it around a, a melody, where not a lot of people have that. Where he can you know you think about the the vocal in Spike is completely. You would think that's a different singer than the guy in Free Falling. Or uh -huh. the voice, voice he puts on in US 41 from Mojo is completely different. Again, he's got all these different things that he can do depending on what character he's playing or what the song needs. Yes, yes. And there's also like a, there's, um, there's like a, like a misery that he, <laughs> he, there's like a specific type of misery that is like always on the edge with Tom Petty. Yeah. And like with Springsteen, there's like a yearning and there's a sort of like a hopeful quality where you're like, man, I really hope that guy's dreams don't get crushed. <laughs> That's I feel like the subtext of hearing a Bruce Springsteen song is like, you know what, dude, we're rooting for you, man. I, I really yeah. hope it works out for you. But I, you do not get the sense that his heart has already been crushed. You know what I mean? It's like he might still get out with his innocence. That's I yeah. think I feel how I feel about Springsteen with, with Petty. It's like this guy has some lifelong heartbreak <laughs> happening, you know, like, it's just, it's here to stay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I admire that. And I admire like his commitment to that and how much there's like, uh, people use this word a lot and it's trendy and I don't like it for that reason. <laughs> but I, I do think that there's a vulnerability to Tom Petty's vocal expression yeah. that is like not self-pitying and he's, it's not a trick and he's like, it's not a move. It's just there. Yeah. It's just constantly there. And I think that gives his voice a lot of his power. Uh, and I think he's sort of like an expert in using that, you know, he's, he's like one of these guys who sort of figured out how to manipulate that, I think is especially well, you know. And and again, like you said, pretty early on, he got that pretty early on. And I think he was, you know, obviously a songwriter, but I think he was a vocalist, really, a true vocalist, which is different from a singer sometimes, but a true vocalist right from the out, right from the outset, right? Like he just he just got that. He knew how to do that and how to tap into what he was what he was feeling. Yeah, yeah.
So let's talk about the let's talk about the song we've been you know the, the reason we connected was um, uh -huh. all through a, a mutual acquaintance Eric Sanich who runs yeah, the yeah. Uh, main contributor to the Van Halen news desk and runs yeah, and, but uh, on also Rock. one of the world's great music nerds oh 100 percent that he he gives the music nerds a good name <laughs> and just a great guy too just a phenomenal yeah. guy to talk to i'm gonna put my said like kev you gotta listen to this guy's this song that this guy's done this version of listen to a heart I'm like okay well i'll throw it on and straight away i'm like oh this is not at all what i was expecting yeah so i've no background i don't know i've talked I'm, I'm an old i'm 50 this year I, mean, I don't know what glitch rock is i've never heard of this uh -huh. term before right and so it shouldn't I, like i was just listening to that this shouldn't necessarily be my bag but I found that there's a, almost like a straight line musically between you and Tom Petty. And it's that sort of, I think it's that, you know, again, we use this word a lot with Tom Petty. It's that sincerity uh -huh. that I find completely compelling. And I believe every word you sing in on the whole album and it's not affected and it's not put on. That's you coming across. And I, I, I feel that connection. So tell me why you picked Tom Petty as the one cover version on the album and specifically why was it listened to her heart? Uh, thanks, man. Thanks for all that. I, I, um, you know, one thing I learned as, uh, as I was becoming a singer and taking vocal lessons and all that stuff, one thing I started doing was I was just going to karaoke by myself Yeah. and I would go to karaoke bars during the day where you could get a private room and it would be like the dead time and you could get right. a good deal on it. And I was just going to these karaoke rooms by myself to practice because I live in New York. So if I did it in my apartment, I was like self-conscious that the neighbors were here and shit like that. Right. And also when, if you work in your own apartment, it's like too easy to get distracted. You know, it's if you're paying, if you're like paying for the room, you, you have to use the time effectively because you're paying for it. Um, but there were, I found some spots where like the, the daytime karaoke rate was cheaper than a rehearsal studio. Um, so I was going to these karaoke rooms and a big part of my training was like just seeing what karaoke songs I thought I could do. Yeah. And there were a bunch of songs that I wished I could do or songs that I felt I understood, but I just couldn't sing. Like, you know, there's any number of Guns N' Roses songs that mean a lot to, Out To Get Me by Guns N' Roses. It means yeah. a lot to me. Can, I, can we curse on this podcast? 100%. Okay, cool. So the way Axl Rose says, I'm fucking innocent on yeah. that song is one of my favorite lyrics of all time because like he says it with so much attitude that it's like no innocent man would ever say that. <laughs> There's like a level of hostility that is just like makes it seem like you must have done something. <laughs> but it's like such a cool, just like rebellious vibe. I'm fucking innocent. Yeah. Um, I would love to have been able to kill that song in karaoke, but like it just doesn't sound good when I do it. Or like yeah. any number of Queen, basically any Queen song. You oh, know, Queen's one of my favorite bands of all time, but like you know, weight classes exist for a reason. And Freddie Mercury <laughs> is a heavyweight and I am not, you know what I mean? That's just not my weight. I do, I should yeah. not be punching in that ring. You know what I mean? For whatever reason, <laughs> there were a bunch of Tom Petty songs that I could do. And I, I'm not saying that he's not a good singer. It, it, it's not like, it, it, for whatever reason, those songs in that range and that emotional, the emotional requirements and the range yeah. of the notes, I could do them in a way that I, I didn't sound like I could do out to get me. Um, so that sort of narrows it down a little bit. So, and then it becomes like, which, which Tom Petty song, you know? Yeah. Uh, and there are a bunch that I love, but I felt like listen to her heart. There were a few things I liked about it. One, 
it's not one of the mega hits. It's not like covering free falling. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's like sort of the hit behind the hit. You know, it, it, I feel like it hasn't been so covered and so played that people don't hear it anymore. Like there's some songs that have been done so much that as soon as they go on, people are just like, I know what that is. Then they stop paying attention. It did not have that quality. And then two, I liked how little it is. Like, I believe there are some songs that are just little songs that are like, they don't have a huge message. They don't, they're, they're not like, they don't have the anthem quality. You know, I think like within the Tom Petty body of work, American Girl is not a little song. Right. Like American Girl has this sort of mythical power. There's something happening there that's intense. The ending is like super powerful. It like builds yeah. to something. It closes out the album that it's on. You're wondering a little bit if the girl's dead. It's not little, right? It, it has this like cinematic power. It's a big idea. That's right. right? It really yeah. is. And it's and called it's, American it's Girl. Yeah, it's yep. like thematic. Um, I, I wanted to do a little one. I, and to me, Listen to Her Heart felt little. And that's again, that's not a slight. It's just like nope. saying like, sometimes you're really in the mood for the little version of the candy bar. Sometimes you want like the fun size <laughs> snicker, yeah. not the normal Snickers, you know? So it had that quality that I liked. And then lastly, I wanted to be able to find an angle on it. And the thing that I thought would be cool would be, I mean, I knew I needed to change it. Like I knew I needed to change it because I'm not, you know, I'm not equal to Tom Petty. I think Tom Petty is like a better singer than I am. And so if I just do a version of his song where I'm trying to be equal, it's going to be worse. Yeah, because I am not equal. So I knew I needed to change it. So one thing I felt like I could inject into this song was the sense that like, we're saying the girl in this song has to listen to her heart, right? We're saying we're going to let her decide who's who's the right guy here. I think it's going to be me, but we're yeah. going to let her listen to her heart. And I was like, I like that. It's a good message. But like, what do we do if she listens to her heart and then the message is just like totally bewildering? Like, like, like what if she listens to her heart and then it just ends up being this like totally confusing, nonverbal message that is just like a blast of like confusion you know right. what i mean like what if like that that's what happens sometimes if you really listen to your heart like sometimes it's fucking weird and confusing <laughs> so i just like that idea i was like what if that what do we do then what do we do then so on a sonic level i i i'm good at making stuff that sounds like that like i i've just i've gotten good at making the musical equivalent of like what the fuck right and so i just thought it would be cool if we i did listen to her heart and then the whole second half of that song is like you know we're listening it's like we said we got to listen now we're gonna listen and by the end you're just like i don't know if that was a good idea you know what I mean? like we said we were gonna listen to her heart and now we did i mean it's almost like i, I kind of wanted it to be like when you go see a movie with your friends and it's like, let's say you rent The Shining and you're like, oh, it's a scary movie. That'll be fun. We're just going to watch a scary movie. And then by the end of The Shining, you're like, what, what happened? Like, what does it mean? Like, yeah. what, now what do we do? Like, did why, you, do I, why do I feel this way now? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I kind of wanted it to be like, what if we listen to our heart and that's how we feel? Yeah. Uh, so I just, I felt like I could do that. I know how to do that. 
I'm, I'm coming from a place of true admiration for Tom Petty. And like, I don't think, I'm, I don't think I'm like, you know, making fun of his idea or like disrespecting his idea really. But I also feel like I'm admired enough that I feel like I can also do a new thing with it. And I just felt like that was my, yeah, man, this I, felt like a way for me to just express how my mind works with the Tom Petty source material. But that's that's what I think that cover versions often get wrong, though, right? Is they don't to cover something straight. You know, like I think was it Faith No More did Easy. I think they covered Easy, right? They did, but they did it almost note for note. Uh -huh. It's like okay, but that well, then I'll just go listen. Like you said, I'll just go listen to the original then because that's yeah. I, no I don't really there. understand that. Like also, Faith No More covered War Pigs by Black Sabbath on the real thing. And, and there's a part in the original War Pigs where Tony Iommi plays a guitar solo, and then there's like two different versions of the solo happening at the same time. Yeah. And like the left headphone and the right headphone like diverge, and their cover recreated that. And like, if I saw like a band do that live, I would be like, oh, that's fucking cool that they studied it that hard. Yeah. But I just do not understand the point of putting it on a record. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's cool that they nailed it, but I just feel like. Also, the, that's a long record already. You know what I mean? That's like a <laughs> hour plus album. I'm just yeah. like, why do we need to do that again? Well, the, and, and the opposite end of that is Cake's version of it, right? Which is phenomenal. Which right. just takes it and changes the the mood of it completely. Right. Which again, that, that's what that, that's what you've done with this song. Like I said, that's where I think when I'm when I'm listening to a cover version, I want to I want to feel like the the singer or the, the the person who's covering it gets it, gets the song, uh -huh. but they're inhabiting it and they're pushing out whatever's inside through that lens if that makes any sense i don't know if that totally. sounds a bit pretentious but it's, you've got to sort of get into the bones of it and understand the song and then just sing it the way you're going to sing it so you've changed this song completely like like i said to you offline you know i can see i don't know how, if you've had any sort of comments on your on the on the video about from pu a purist standpoint i know there are a lot of people who will have a hard time listening to this because it's so radically different I've gotten some comments where people are like I couldn't listen to the end because it got too weird. Right. It's it's not even clear to me that they're pissed off about the Tom Petty part. Like it just just, just like, the end of the song. Just the end of the song itself is like <laughs> difficult to listen to. Uh, so I've gotten that. We, me and the producer had a fight about it when I when I originally did it. Um, the producer was like, "The end is too noisy. Like you got to okay. we got to cut it early." And I was like, I don't know, man, all the other songs in this album are so tight. And I feel like I was so disciplined and everything is so catchy that I want there to be one song that's like fucked up. And he was like, <laughs> I get it, but we can't do that. It's just too harsh. And, and he won the version on the album. I mean, let me be clear. The version on the album is still fucked up. Like it, it gets noisy. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard to listen to, but it ends earlier than okay. my original version. But for the music video, I used my original version that has the full noise assault. Yeah. In fact, I wanted to get the full version mastered because I knew I might want to do something like this. So like yeah. the producer won the argument. We picked this shorter version he did. That went to the master. I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I also want the guy to master my original version. But the producer was like, I didn't even mix that. I don't even have a version of that to send to him. So I had to, on my own, in GarageBand, <laughs> take the version my producer made and then like crossfade into some earlier shit demo. I oh, had. really? 
just so the master would get something. And if you listen very, 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 very carefully to the version of the music video, yeah. there's a moment right when it goes past what's on the album that you can sort of hear and edit. Like right at the moment when the music okay. video starts to go for longer than what the album version is, you can hear an edit because the producer wouldn't even send the master <laughs> a version. I had to, I had to make my own like wow low quality edit just to get it to the mastering engineer. I I do think my, my producer's name is Jeff Stanfield. I admire his judgment. I've worked with him again. We, we're working on new stuff now. Yeah. You know, he I admire his judgment, but I just had this crazy notion that like someday. I might want to have the longer, worse assault. Yeah. So, I, and you know, again, like I said, you've, you've changed the sonics of the song. Obviously, you've not monkeyed around. Well, there is a little bit where you change a little bit of the, with the with the lyric because you cut off the. I think it's the second chorus, right? You drop it out before you go into that outro. But like I said I think actually it's a fairly it's a fairly faithful vocal. You're following the melody. You're not completely altering the melody, but it's over top of this great octave synth bass yeah, and is yeah, that yeah. A, is, i'm assuming it's a drum machine it's not a that's not uh, a it's drum, a couple right? it's multiple layers some are okay there's some drum machine there's also some unlicensed samples in there that okay. I, I can't really say what they are because they're unlicensed <laughs> but, uh it's multiple multiple layers of per percussion happening all of it's artificial though there was no real drummer on the song yeah and it's got that great because what i i always like because i've listened to you know new order and a lot of whole bunch of mm -hmm. electronica bands back in my my youth and it's funny that you can still make a song swing even if it's a, if, if it's programmed right and it's got that it's still got that swing to it yes that's uh, that's largely because of the unlicensed drum samples i some of my <laughs> drum samples had some pretty funky grooves happening on the on that right. so even though i mangled them and i like I, I do think i did creative stuff i don't think that i just stole drum beats and then like yeah. copied and pasted it in. I'd like manipulated the footage in a way that I think counts as being creative, but I did not license it. So um, yeah, so some of the swing is there. Some of the swing is from that, uh, but it's also true there there were drum machines. Prince said that the reason he liked the Lynn drum machine so much was that it had its own funny time. It wasn't yeah. like perfectly mechanistic, especially when it would do the like triplet feel stuff like like those on any Prince track that put the drum machine super forward. Anytime it does like a trill or like a triplet or something, you can hear that it has this sort of weird robotic, cool swing yeah. thing. It would like not what a person would do, but it's not totally quantized either. There is a, a weirdness there. It's almost like because every every performer has his own thing, right? You have your own vibrato when you play, when you sing. Right. Like there's just those characteristics so. It's kind of nice that those filter through. A little bit of trivia, and I don't know if you know this: the hand claps in the Lindrum, the original sample, uh -huh. was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers provided. No, the really? Yeah, that's I all. I did not yeah. know that. It was a backstage thing. The the guy who made it said, "I need these hand claps." I'm like, "All right." <laughs> so that's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. So what? Yeah. That guy, what's his name? Roger Lynn, Robert Lynn. Roger, right? I think it is. Yeah. That, so, yeah so he was just like hanging out with Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. He was like, "I need to sample a clap," and it was them. It was them. Yeah. Oh man, I did not know that. Isn't that cool? Yeah. That's mind blowing that I learned that by coming on this podcast. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. So you got. I was going to say, but back to the song though too, because there's, there's the bit where it cuts the bridge, mm -hmm. and I love how greasy that low end drop. 
is because it, it sort of it's almost like it's a tape winding down because it drops you know it goes into the the lower key super super cool i love that sort of the the sonic of that you know what i'm talking and, about right and with, and with song on listen to her heart oh yeah 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 where it goes into the bridge where you've got that sort of it, you, it's like a yeah, it's like that's the only way I can describe it. It's like a tape machine, sort of. You get that kind of drop yeah. into, and she can't move. And you know, so again, yeah, super thanks, cool. Yeah, just thanks. and and then you get, you know, we get the like you said, the the fucked up weird outro bit. But there's some killer shreddy guitar in there, which just <laughs> takes you completely by surprise again. And it's almost thanks. kind of got that. Like, there's definitely I can hear Eddie Van Halen's influence in a lot of what thanks, you play. I'm glad. Yeah, I mean, I did. Um, I did take a lot of guitar lessons before I got fully sucked into doing weird glitchy bullshit yeah and i did for a long time care about like you know being able to play straight or being able to shred or whatever and i do it, it's hard for me to resist demonstrating that like there right. is a part of me that was still like you know why we took all those guitar lessons right it was so that you could show <laughs> off and there's a part of me that like can never fully resist sticking that somewhere you yeah. know uh so thanks man I'm, I'm glad you appreciate it i you know i do feel i have um a level of confidence in my guitar playing that is just like so so different than my confidence as a singer like i have to be so not ambitious with what i do vocally because okay. i'm still i i started like as a guitar player i was like the kind of teenager who just practiced a lot and i sort of like put in the time a long time ago and yep. like built up this basic like athletic it's there it's just yep. it's just there you know what i mean and, and so i can sort of push and i can fall back on that and i can challenge myself and like even for shit that i almost can't play i can kind of fake it there's like all kinds of stuff i can do as a guitar player where i'm like i can get away with all kinds of stuff right and i didn't care about singing until much later in life so i i, I don't have the same sort of like easy ability to just be like you know even in my if my voice is a little if my throat's a little sore i know how to get through the show I, yeah. I don't have that like if my voice is a little sore on the day of the show i'm like i'm i'm fucked it's over for me. it's over you know right. so like what i do as a singer i, I have to make sure like all oh, the key is in my key i i know what my highest note is anytime yeah. i write any song i i know what the highest note i have to sing is i have to make sure it's like a step and a half below my high note so that no matter yeah. what i can hit it um you know i i really <laughs> like i sort of designed everything i ever have to sing so that it's like not going to expose my limitations but as a guitar player i'm like i've been playing guitar for so long like let's find out what the limitations are like let's right. let's see what happens if i go beyond the limitations so i i feel like there is a kind of bizarre opposite vibe where like when it me as a singer i'm like one of these guys in one of these punk bands where it's like you're just not trying to show off at all you're just trying to like play the character and get it right and there's like a dignity in sticking to the basics and showing respect for the basics and then as a guitar player i'm just like rules are off <laughs> yeah it's just like yeah. let's let's try to break shit you know what i mean <laughs> Well, that was the thing on, on Wildflowers, right? That was the the last column on the uh, the chart. So we've got the drums done, the vocals are done, everything else is done. The last chart was Bugs Wydell's Fuck Shit Up. What can we do to just change something in this song just to give make it a little bit more interesting, right? So yeah, exactly. it's always a good attitude to have somewhere, I think. But I think... Exactly, I, yeah. I, yeah. I think it's good to have both attitudes on the track. Like, to... Yeah, I agree. I think you've got a great voice. Like, And that's always something for me is 
make or break straight away. I don't know about you. Like, I can't listen to I, I can't listen to Pearl Jam because there's just mm-hmm. musically they are phenomenal. There's just something about Eddie Vedder's voice that doesn't doesn't chime with me. So it's just lights out straight away, right? So I've got to like the voice first and foremost. I think did a great job. But yeah, I mean, talk about the guitar on this album. I mean, there's a guitar all this. I was listening to which is the one. Um, I know the feeling. Yeah, well, it sounds it sounds more like because hang on, is that synth? No, that is guitar. He's just sent that through. God knows how many effects units or pedals. Like, <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, the um the solo on I know the feeling was actually double tracked. Okay, so I'm playing it twice with different effects, but I'm playing the same thing. Okay, and one of the effects is like very unstable. That like you play a note and it kind of just implodes. Okay. Uh, so and you it's impossible to know like which notes are gonna be okay and which notes are gonna sort of just like glitch out right but so i did one performance with that effect and then i just played it again with an effect that was like just sort of a trashy distortion so it sounds kind of ratty but the notes are there so yeah yeah sometimes it's like you have both and then sometimes you have both but one of them is like failing and that's part of why it's like you don't it's like you kind of don't know what you're hearing but it's there right. Um, you know, anytime I ever play guitar, I, I'm a little bit trying to have it just be like, this is my chance to be really like, we were talking about Mike Patton or faith no more before. Yeah. Like Mike Patton is a vocalist can kind of do anything at any time. He can play any character. He can make all kinds of sounds where you like, don't know if it's a human voice. You don't know who right. he is. Like he can sort of do anything. I cannot do that as a vocalist. I, the, the best I can do as a vocalist is to have it just sound like, oh, okay, that's Ivan must he must really mean what he's saying that's like best case scenario but that's a good a that, that's i mean i think as a vocalist if you can get that across then you've won right you don't oh, thanks no i i'm not you know I mean? crying about it thank you no, I no, agree. I, i'm like i know that that's my role but yeah. as a guitar player i do try to have it be like you know how can i be a little more mysterious or how, how can i be like a little how can i push the form a little bit more one thing i never do in cyber attack is like really fuck with the production style of the vocals like it, right. it's always kind of just sounds like a guy singing now my producer does all kinds of cool little things to make it sit in the mix and there's eq yeah. and there's reverb there's all kinds of pro shit happening but we don't do like radio voice or walkie talkie voice or weird auto-tune voice or yeah. alien voice like I, I want the backing track to be as like looney tunes as possible but I, I want the voice to still sort of just sound like oh that yeah that's that must be who that guy is uh, it sounds well, like there's that guy and i think but i think that that would get you'd, you'd risk overcomplicating it if you did that right because i think that when you have that clean melody in the vocal it allows that sort of the chaos yeah, that's going I on agree. with some of the other parts to to really sort of shine right it's, it's you know you don't 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 bury the lead you know so exactly i agree i totally agree especially since i'm like writing the lyrics and everything i kind of want that part of it to be like the the familiar part yeah it's like you're hearing this track and you sort of don't know who's playing it and it sounds a little bit like this hyper video game that's like failing but yeah. the vocal is sort of like well we could just go with that guy probably you know that's a little bit what right, i'm trying to do right and like for my listeners, uh, the album um, "Hard Feelings," which I was going to ask about whether that's a little a little slight nod back to "Hard Promises." Maybe it's not. It's just a coincidence, I assume. But to me, it was like when I started listening to it again. It was something. It's a style that I hadn't listened to before, but I immediately just got it because I could hear so many 
things that I listened to growing up in it. And so like, I'm just going to throw a bunch of bands at you. Okay. And you can go, you can go, oh, I don't know. So like Underworld, Ben Folds, Squeeze, Foo Fighters, Queen, Talking Heads, Sad Cafe, especially some of those like minor changes. Soundgarden, like some of the stuff with like the phrasing on the guitars uh-huh. and, the, and the weird chord changes, the Petty, of course, you know, so there's there's all these yeah. different influences. Like I get this, I know what this is. So it's it's wrapped in this weird, glitchy, electronic kind of skin. But underneath it, these are just, rock and roll and pop songs so I, I totally get this i understand what this is thanks man thanks i appreciate that all of the songs started as me like strumming an unplugged electric guitar right and and like playing the chord progression and singing it into my phone right like every every one of these songs there's like a bad voice memo on my phone it's just me strumming and singing it and it's not even an acoustic guitar it's just an electric. unplugged electric guitar which sounds <laughs> dumber like yeah. a, an unplugged electric guitar just sounds completely not serious. And, and, and it's like me in my apartment. So I'm like trying to be quiet because I'm self-conscious anyway. <laughs> so these voicemails was like sound real bad, you know? Yeah, but yeah. To, to me, that's the test. It's like, if I can make a voice memo, if I can play the song and make a voice memo out of it and you find find yourself almost even kind of listening to the song and like getting past the fact that it's a piece of shit voice memo <laughs> like that's what i'm trying to do if yeah. i can make a song that i think a little bit holds its own in that format then i'm like okay this is worth investing in and finding a way to make it sound cooler than a voice memo but yeah. I, I do try to write everything on the level of just like are the chords cool are the melodies cool are the lyrics cool Right. And if you can make those work, then it's almost like you're just covering that song. It's like you wrote the song and it's just chords, melodies, lyrics, yeah, and some sort of rhythm. And now it's like, well, if we had to cover it, how would we cover it? And I cover everything the way I covered that Tom Petty song. So that's why my album sounds like that. Super cool. So is that, do you start with music then? Like, cause I know that I've, I mean, I'm a hobbyist songwriter and a lot of my friends are songwriters. And so uh-huh, there's that conversation. Uh-huh. Do you start with a melody? Do you start with a line? Do you start with a, like, is it, what's your, what's your go to usually? I have like a bunch of unfinished music things that are sort of cooking that are just music and melodies. Yep. And then I have a bunch of unfinished, like unused titles and ideas for lyrics. And, and they're sort of like also crying out for me to finish them and they're like over here yeah and i'm basically always trying to see like do any of those unfinished lyrics could any of them fit with (laughs) any of those unfinished songs yeah and and basically i can't ever finish the song until i find one from each category that kind of fit and i'm like thank god (laughs) you know it's like i can write one more song now i have one other song i might be able to write and then as soon as i'm done with that one i'm like now i guess i'm back to being stuck with a bunch of unfinished yeah. bullshit <laughs> well it's like you know it's the the bono line from kind of which song on acting baby every art, every artist is a cannibal every poet is a thief right it's that thing of all if you cannibalize him from yourself every every songwriter does that well i had this line i just it didn't work or i cut this verse out of this song because it was too long but that line i'm gonna keep yeah. that because i know that'll work somewhere eventually yeah for sure for <laughs> sure okay so i wanted to ask you quickly nothing about this has been quick i realized because again like i said no, to you before loving i'm loving I, it. I, I love i love putting a framework together for an, for a quote-unquote interview it just ends up being a chat about music because this is i like nerdy notes about music but so you came like you said you came into tom's music around about full moon fever and freefall and i think there's always an interesting conversation around how you view music of an artist you like 
from the point you got into them and everything they released after, but then going back and listening to the stuff that you that had already been out. So when you go back and listen to Damn the Torpedoes or Hard Promises or Southern Accents or even the first album, what's your relationship to that music? And has that changed as you've got all? I think you said, like, you know, you became a Tom Petty fan later. But what was that like going back and rediscovering some of those old those older albums? Well, listen to her hearts off the second album. So that's a good question. I mean, I always respected it, but I guess I felt a little bit like now I know now I know what I'm watching for. I okay. don't know. It's sort of like if you watch a movie and you don't really you're not really getting it, and then at the very end you're like, Oh, I think I get it now, but I gotta rewatch the whole movie so that I can follow it this time. Yeah. I felt a little bit like that. Like I always admired some of those other songs, but once I, I, I sort of figured out like this is what Tom Penny means to me. Yeah. It's he's this sort of guy who's like always on the verge of tears, but he's holding it back. Yeah. Like that's that's basically what Tom Petty means to me. He's like he's on the verge of tears but he's he's holding it back and and once and there's layers to that but that's like the basically what i think is like his high card is his ability to work with that as like the starting point yeah i was able to then re-listen to everything and be like i already like this but now i'm liking it also as like a demonstration of that quality or yeah. like I'm, I'm you know what i mean so that's sort of how I felt it, it basically like everything I already liked I liked more or I, I liked it a little with a little bit more of a personal connection it's um, like you, you liked it and then you and then you got it because I had the same thing once I heard wildflowers and got through wildflowers and just that's when I sort of fell that, that was that was this tipping uh -huh. point for me then you go back and you listen to hard promises and some of the stuff from even let me up I've had enough and you think yeah this guy's in serious pain here yeah, and, and it's yeah. and it's not yeah. it's I didn't I don't know why I didn't catch that before, but it's clear it's right there on the page, you know. Like it's just so I I do I always find that too when I said I think it's that thing of I get into it. Well, I, I talked about because I'm a huge Queen fan as well. I have, an, I have another uh -huh. podcast about Queen, right? Uh huh. Which I'll maybe. Um, and it's that thing. But I grew up with Queen, so I had all the albums from the get go. So yeah. I never had that. I never had to go back and rediscover because it was just part of who I was. I understand. Part of my identity. You know what I mean? So. Uh -huh. Yeah, the Queen's a good example because like they everyone could shred so much and there was like so many virtuoso displays happening yeah. like nonstop yeah. that there is a kind of like invincibility to it <laughs> that I think is like fundamentally different than the appeal of Tom Petty. 100%. Yeah. You know, like Tom Tom Petty is very good and vocally I don't think you ever hear him stumble, but he's just like not the position is not a position of invincibility, you know? It's accessibility. It's the opposite, really, right? Yeah. It's like it's uh, like you listen to Tom Payne and the Heartbreak, and it's funny because as a drummer, I think, well, I can play that. That's easy. And then when you sit down, it's like, oh, actually, Stan's doing this weird little hat lift, and he's not coming in right on the on the beat. And it's like, oh, yeah, no, that's a little bit tougher. And it's consistent. Yeah. So you know he's doing it deliberately. And same right. with Steve Ferroni with Fault Lines trying to play that freaking um bossing over on the ride i'm like I, I i know the notes but i can't play it that way you know yeah so it's that sort of it sounds simple it's like the beatles it sounds simple but you yeah. know it's still pretty accomplished but it feels accessible so yeah for sure for sure awesome okay so let's um let's wrap things up um what do you got so when's the new album coming out oh <laughs> good question very scary question um <laughs> my my current plan is to record it in september of this year okay uh, I don't know how long it's going to take me to 
nail the vocals. I, it takes me a long time to nail the vocals. I get very yeah. uptight and like dysfunctionally perfectionistic about it. So I'm sure I can finish recording everything else in September of this year. Vocals are a total question. Um, <laughs> even if it goes fast, that probably means new records coming out next year. 2024 would be my guess. Okay. But until then, everyone can definitely check out um, your current album, Hard Feelings online everywhere where you get your music i assume yeah it's on all my streaming platforms um also i have a website that's just cyberattack.world yeah you might not have known that you can have a website that's dot world but you can and they're much cheaper than dot com so i bought dot yeah. world uh cyberattack.world it's like pretty dumb website but it's got links to all the other stuff you're gonna it's need a great it's website what are you resources. talking about it's again it's lean it's, it's got it, it brings across the vibe that's what i love about it it's like there's not like 50 pages about us and my bio and here's some photos no it's just like hey i deal with it this is this glitchy weird sort of image on the front i just yeah, I, I, I totally dig it man i'm so glad i'm that's a huge relief because i haven't updated it in a while so <laughs> i'm glad and i would tell my listeners so like if you like like huge hooks if you like melody you're going to love this album. You can dance to it. The harmonies in it are great. But it's also, it's deceptively dense. I found after like the first time through, I'm like, well, this is all pop music. This is great. Second and third listens, you're like, actually, no, I got to sit down and really pay attention to some of this stuff because there's a lot more going on than you necessarily think. So it's packed with different ideas and different angles. And like I said, all these different influences that I just totally dig. I totally dig it, man. And I, I think, so I just bought it on Bandcamp, which again, people go to Bandcamp because then Ivan gets the money there. It's not, uh, you're not getting, you know, 0.001 of a cent from Spotify. Um, oh, but... dude, I didn't even realize that was, <laughs> that was you. I sent you, I sent a little email yeah, to yeah. a guy named Kevin who bought my album. I was like, <laughs> oh, dude, I didn't know that was you then. I would have, I would have made the message oh, much more personal. No, no, no. Totally, totally cool. But like I said, thanks, like I said, in the message. Thanks though, for we... the record. I was, that was today. That was this morning, right? It was earlier this morning. Yeah. And I mean, that's that thing of you, you should you should buy it. we can all stream music but when it's independent artists just go folks go buy the music please it makes it does make a difference so i i appreciate that and listen dude i mean thank you for listening to the album as intensely as you did and like just giving it such so much attention like when you work on something like this and you spend as much time on it and you like obsess over it as much as i do the whole time you're just hoping that like somebody somewhere will listen to it with that kind of attention even more than you hope that people will like it. You just hope that like people yeah. will stare at it long enough to even notice any of what you did. And so I, I'm really grateful that you did that. And I just want to thank you. And also for having me on the, on the podcast, this has been a real blast. Definitely. Man. And like, you know, I, I, this is what I do for my podcast, right? I do listen to songs, I listen, listen, like a musician. It's like you were talking yeah. about earlier. You can find, you can always find, usually you can find something in a song that makes you go, that's kind of cool. Even if it's just a like a three-second drum fill or sure. a weird phrasing or something, there's always something in there. And one thing that I'd, I've, I've written, I've got six pages of notes, which I'm not going to go through all of them, but that line in, I think it's Invincible, lost touch with all my enemies. I thought was that that's so fucking clever because I lost touch with all my friends. Well, that's mm -hmm. a pretty easy line to write. Lost touch with all my enemies. That's a clever line, man. I really like that. Thanks, man. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that song is sort of about the dangers of like, not being up against anything you know right it's, you get sort of soft if you're if, if you're just sort of coasting along and it's too easy yeah uh so thanks man i'm really i mean it's been fun doing the podcast but it's also just fun being music nerds with you because you really you know you're good at it you're good at being oh, a music geez. nerd oh thank you 